What's going on everybody? Today we're going to talk about emotions and why you should keep those out of the stock market. Waiting for Facebook Live to come up. So here we are today. Um, again, last time we spoke, we were talking about penny stocks. And um, you know, this is Phil Bogar from Stock Investing Secrets. Here with you live on Instagram, Facebook, podcasts, Spotify, all around the world and on Mars as well. Uh, so one of the things that I wanted to talk about today is, well, the, the main topic today is emotions and how you got to keep those in check and out of investing because those will bankrupt you as an investor. Or if you make them work for you in your favor, they can actually make you a lot of money. It's the best thing that you can be doing as an investor to uh, leave your emotions at the door because uh, and I can tell you when I started investing, when I was uh, about 22 years old, I had started reading the book, The Motley Fool, which is basically a great Bible to have if you're an investor. It's, it's pretty religious. If you pay attention to that book and what that's doing, it's going to take you a long way and it's taking me to where I am today. And it's where a lot of my ideas come from. Uh, so I, I give a huge shout out to the Gardner Brothers with The Motley Fool. Um, one of the things that I, I did wrong when I was younger, I was reading this book. Uh, I got to about chapter three and I was so eager. Uh, I started seeing the stock market taking off and I wanted so badly to start making money off the stock market. I, I couldn't wait till I finished reading the end of the book. Uh, I had a couple thousand dollars. I, that was all I really had to my name. And so what I did was I thought I am a stock market investing genius because I made it to chapter three in this book, <laughs> which is pretty ridiculous. But I took that money, I went on to my online brokerage account and I found a stock that I thought might be interesting to buy and it had a five-star rating. And so I put all my money in it. Not having read the chapter that came next, which was how to diversify your portfolio. Uh, you can't buy one stock and, and just expect to make a lot of money. You have to be well diversified. So the big mistake that I made because I wanted so badly to start making money off the stock market, uh, my desires were to not be poor, uh, as I told a lot of you before about the experience that I had when I, was, when I didn't have much money at all. I wanted to have a way to make money really quickly and to uh, make a ton of progress without actually putting in the time and the work that it takes as an investor. Uh, because smart investors will always need to not only have a little bit of money to invest, but also they'll need time. You can't make money quickly, as we discussed on last uh, on the last podcast. Uh, you can't make money quickly by doing things like penny stocks and all these other things. So my emotions really got a hold of me. Uh, I wanted money so badly that I just I, I didn't even pay attention to the rest of the Molly Fool book, and I invested in a stock called Henway Energy. I thought, well, this is wind energy. This is the way of the future. Uh, the, there's a five-star rating on Morningstar for this stock. So I, I dove in, I bought it. And within a couple of months, I had lost 50% of what I invested on that, which was pretty devastating for me. That was all the money I had to that point. And so I, I, I didn't respect the Motley Fool book as much as I do now at that point. And I didn't really understand the, the concepts that were involved in that as well. And so when I read it more thoroughly and I read it again as well, I noticed all the different 
tips that it was giving me and I understood them at a deeper level because I, I saw that they said, don't pay attention to your emotions when it comes to investing. I said, uh, I read the part where it, it talked about how to build a proper, well-diversified portfolio. And so I was doing these things. And uh, eventually, once I started paying attention to how the book was uh, written and what it was telling me to do, and I started, instead of following my emotions when I was making investing decisions, I followed exactly the formula. Then I started becoming a, a successful investor. So if you have a math, math, mathematical mind, if you, don't, if you don't follow your emotions with the stock market and you just think mathematically or formulaically, then you're going to be doing a lot better than if you're just saying, oh, I want to buy that stock. I want to make money right away. I'm going to go and pour all my money in that stock because it has a five-star rating. That's when you're going to get into trouble. But on the other hand, if you're paying attention to what other people are doing, what the mass market is doing when they're overreacting over something, you can actually make a lot of money off of that. Let's take the Great Recession, for example, uh, the global recession. Um, uh, by the way, here, I'll, I'll, I'll get my proper screen up here on Facebook Live. So um, the Great Recession, what that did uh, was, let me just uh, correct this on, I'm going to take you to uh, the, the S&P 500 on the screen here and show you exactly what happened during the Great Recession. So now uh, with the Great Recession, uh, you can see if you go back to 2007, uh, here, here it is, or 2008, it dropped significantly. That took about a 45% hit. And then it was down, it was up though where it had, where its previous highs were within about uh, three years. So you can see the, the drastic drop it took. But if you stuck with it, if you bought when it was at its lowest, when you saw the market going down and everybody started to panic, you could buy it at its actual lowest point and you would have made a considerable amount of money off of that. If you bought here in, uh, I think it was February 2009, and you see how it went up significantly since then, uh, that would be you taking advantage of the uh, consensus opinion about the stock market and it being something that's going to be uh, like falling significantly and continuing to fall significantly. Uh, but if you saw other people's emotions and you instead decided to understand that what's happening right now in the stock market isn't necessarily going to be what's going to be happening in the future and you put your money in at that point, then you'd be making a lot of money. Same thing is happening now. I own a stock called YRD. Uh, and now this is a P2P lending company in China. And what they're doing is uh, they're providing uh, lending opportunities to individuals rather than going through banks. So it's a peer-to-peer -peer lending uh, so they make money off of charging interest rates on the loans that they give out. Uh, it's not loan sharking. It's they're, they're charging reasonable interest rates. But what happened in June is uh, a lot of people were protesting because in China, because these P2P lending companies, um, uh, they, they were lending the money, but a lot of them were getting the money back from the people who were borrowing from them. And so there was a lot of regulatory uh, things that were put into place in China. Uh, because of these protests, because some people, a lot of people are losing money at it. Uh, but the companies themselves are doing extremely well and they're making a lot of money. So they're, because there was a protest, the perception of the market was that these P2P lending companies could be going down significantly. Uh, let's bring up uh, YRD here. So I, I bought this stock on its IPO actually, which is really rare for me, but I, I saw that they had their 
in the information out that needed to be analyzed in order to determine whether the stock was going to be something that was going to take off. Normally with IPOs, you don't get that much information, uh, but there was a lot of information with this company. So I bought that uh, on its IPO and that was about uh, three years ago. Let's just take a look. Uh, yeah, so that was in 2015. Uh, its IPO was in, in December. So it started out at uh, 950 and then it dropped quite a bit. Actually, it got as low as, yeah, three, under, under $4. Uh, but I held tight. I knew this company had a lot of potential and eventually it did grow uh, up to a maximum of about over $50. So I got in, I bought around $8 per share, went all, all the way up to $50 per share, uh, which is six times, that's basically over a 600% increase in value. I stuck with it when it was under four because I knew that it was, you know, that people weren't sure about the stock at that point. But take a look what's happened since uh, it was around June this year, 2018. Uh, yeah, May, June, it just fell significantly. And uh, it's gone down since that time, around 30. It's, it's, it's hit a point where it's about almost one third the price that it was. And I, I took a look at the stock again and I did another analysis of it. And I saw that its price over earnings ratio uh, was around three. Uh, currently it's hovering around six, but I saw how, how how undervalued the stock was and I did a full ratio analysis of it which is basically taking a look at whether this stock is fairly valued or if there's a lot more that can happen with it and I saw that the stock appeared to be undervalued incredibly and that it had potential to increase by about 10 times of what it what its price was at that point um, which was it was around 13 uh, or 14 dollars so I saw this stock going up uh, when I looked at it in June uh, I saw the stock going up to uh, potentially $140. And I mean, within looking at that within a few year time frame, uh, right now it's at $17. And uh, the reason why it's dropped off so much from as high as 50 is, like I said, the P2P lending market in China and people are protesting. Um, so when you see that people are hovering away from something, you want to take a look at the stock and the sector, uh, the economy, the nation, if it's outside of the United States or Canada as well. Uh, and then with that analysis, you're able to determine whether or not it's a stock that uh, has some potential uh, to increase. And here, let me just bring it up on the video here. You know, I'm dealing with a little bit of technology. We're just getting started here, but uh, we're going to be implementing better technology for you guys. So um, like this was a bit of a, um, an error here on this Facebook Live because the video wasn't up. There was uh, some technical difficulties there, but uh, I'm going to be running something similar again in the future. So I apologize for the tech issues, um, but I just really want to uh, post something today talking about the emotions about the stock market and how if you leave those at the door and instead of playing on your emotions, you play on other, the general perception in the public. If you play on those emotions, uh, you're going to be, uh, making a ton of money because you're going against the grain. So, you know, the old saying, buy low, sell high. That is completely true. And the way that you can do that is by stocks are going to be low when people have a negative perception of the stocks. So that's the time when you can buy, of course, do your due diligence, do the analysis of each individual stock, and then you buy. But the, uh, general perception that happened in the great recession was that these stocks are 
all going down. The basically the shit hits the fan. The whole economy is gonna, the whole capitalist system is gonna crumble. But if you understand history, and you understand that what happens today or what happens in one sector is no indication of what's going to be happening in five years, then you're going to be making money off of going against the grain, against the general perception. So it's it's key to look out for some of these opportunities as well. Uh, you know, right now, I'd say there's a huge opportunity in the P2P lending in China. And there's another one that I've got my eye on. I would only buy one of these because I want to be diversified. But here's uh, Hexaday. And you can see, again, this stock it in uh, June dropped like off a cliff. So it went from a, like almost 12 bucks down to nine. And then it's been falling ever since. And it took, it's fallen significantly even in the last uh, couple of weeks. So I took another look at the stock. This one's actually uh, more underpriced than YRD. So I'm even thinking about selling YRD and buying this one. Um, the reason why I'm not concerned, even though all of China seems to be concerned, and it seems like, well, this one's listed on the NASDAQ, so obviously people in Canada and the United States are concerned as well. The reason why I'm not concerned is because when I took a look at the market trends in this industry, I saw that, well, first of all, China's regulations that they came out with after the protests, these regulations came out like one or two months after the protests in June. Now, with their regulations, I wanted to keep an eye on because if there was heavy regulations, or even if they said P2P lending cannot be done anymore in China, then obviously I don't want to be invested in these companies because these companies would be going bankrupt or they would, they would uh, sell their assets and liquidate and then the shareholders would get a portion of that. <clears throat> so the reason why I, I, I took a look, I saw that the regulations are that there cannot be new P2P lending companies going to China. What does that mean? That means that the current ones are at a huge advantage and they have a huge economic moat. Uh, an economic moat is... For those you don't know, like you know what a moat is, like around a castle, it's the water that surrounds the castle. Uh, now, uh, the economic moat is basically the space between the company and the ability for other companies can, who can come into that castle and to also thrive off that industry. So um, I saw that not a, not a thing has changed other than the fact that no other companies are allowed in. And there might be smaller P2P lending companies in China that are going to fall off. But the, the ones that are big, like uh, Hexadai and YRD, uh, Yurdai, these ones are, are in a better position now because they're large cap P2P lending companies that have a proven track record. And those who were going to the smaller ones that, or the, the one they, that could be going to the, any new ones, which now aren't allowed, will be going to um, these large ones that are already there. They have nowhere else to go. And another thing is that because the government in China made decisions and they regulated P2P lending, I know that they're not going to be doing anything new anytime soon. There's a very good chance that they're not going to. They've already done their due diligence. They've already taken a look at P2P lending and made the changes that they want to make. And there's no more protests, but the market is still reacting as if P2P lending is not going to be in China next year or tomorrow. 
So this is a, a massive opportunity. And it's a great example of how emotions can really stifle an investor, how they can cause the investor to sell at the wrong time. Because obviously you're not going to sell before the bad news comes out because you don't know about it. Um, so when, when a stock goes down, take a look at why is it going down? This one went, these, this whole sector went down because people were panicking and panic. It, look for panic. That's going to be the best opportunity is basically sounding, uh, it's basically sounding an alarm on a sector an industry on an even individual stock. If there's people panicking, uh, because people are, are very hurdy, like mass people, they, you know, they're like, uh, like a flock of, like a flock of geese, like they're, they're, or like a herd of cows. They're just going to walk around and bump into each other and follow the same path. Same reason why there's so many Christians, because people who are born in a Christian family or who grew up, I, I mean, this is a different topic, but if you're born in China, chances are you're going to be a different religion from a Christian. But if you're born in Canada or U.S., you're going to most likely be a Christian. And so this is describing the herd mentality and this reflects everywhere. It, if, if you can start seeing people from outside the box, not considering yourself to be a part of that herd, you can take a look at their actions. And this is one of the reasons why the stock market is so appealing to me because I can see what these, these people are doing and selling their shares like crazy for no logical reason, just because the person next to them are doing it. Same reason why everybody uh, drives the same stupid car and wears the same clothes. It's because there's a herd mentality, but you can take advantage of that as an investor. You can see what, what those idiots are doing and you can invest in a way where you can profit off of their stupid decisions. So that, that's, uh, you know, so as far as emotions go, that's another driving force of penny stocks. People want to make money really quickly. And so they start buying these penny stocks because they think they can go up in one day. Um, and that's a bad decision. That's another emotional thing because they're going to keep investing in penny stocks and eventually they're going to start losing because it's like playing the roulette. You're going to play it uh, enough times. You're going to start losing. The odds are not in your favor. Um, with a great recession, uh, people panic. People were dropping, jumping off buildings. People uh, sold off their, their shares at exactly the wrong time. If they held on for six months uh, after the start of the Great Recession, you would see that the stocks jumped significantly. Uh, so if you bought when everybody was selling, you would stand to make a, a much larger uh, profit. So let's take another look at the S&P 500, what happened to it uh, after the global recession in 2007. So here, here it is. And this is where it dropped from its highs. It started really dropping about September 2008 um, and just plunged like crazy. Uh, now, six months after that, so it's September. Now, uh, here we are in, in February 2009. Um, that's when it started increasing. So six months after it took a nosedive, it started going up like nuts. And it's been on a steady climb for the past nine years so if you if you can see that I, I took a look at the stock market in 2007 and 2008 and i thought okay the housing sector is not doing well uh the big banks made a lot of bad decisions and this is causing people to foreclose on their their homes the subprime mortgage crisis right um but 
it's not like the world came to a standstill. So because the banks aren't lending to each other, companies aren't able to borrow as much. Does that mean that Apple or Netflix is not going to, is not an amazing company anymore when the banks start lending again, which by the way, Apple and Netflix don't need to borrow from the banks. Is, is it still going to be an amazing company? Are people still going to need their Netflix? Are, are people still going to need their cell phones, their computers from Apple? Yeah. So why, uh, what justifies a, a, a 40% or 30% sell-off on Apple or Netflix just because the housing market isn't doing well? I can understand why people would be selling on banks in a way, uh, but in another way, it's an opportunity to buy banks. Banks were suffering. Um, individual people were suffering. A lot of companies were suffering because there wasn't as much lending happening. Um, so that there's opportunities there to be had as well, because it's not like one bump in the road is going to cause the whole sector to crash forever. It's like saying, because uh, your car has an engine problem, you're, you're, you have to like smash your car and never drive it again. No, you go and get it fixed. So what did the banks do? What did the government do? They stepped in and they fixed the situation and it recovered within six months. So don't follow the herd. If you if you're the type of person to um, buy uh, a, a handbag because of uh, Beyonce has it, you're going to be a terrible investor. You know why? Because you're following the herd, and you're doing you're basing your decisions on emotions. Now, if you're the kind of person who wants to wear something different or um, do things differently from the average people, or follow your own passion, your own lead. You know, for example, your parents want you to go to college and you decide not to because you have a passion for being an entrepreneur. You're the kind of person who would be an excellent investor. You're not following your emotions. You're not trying to fit in. Um, you're not afraid to fly alone and eagles fly alone. So when you can see that, when you're like that as a person, you can see what the herd is doing bumping into each other, making stupid decisions. It's like the Buffalo when the um, First Nations people drove the Buffaloes away to kill them. They drove them off of the cliff and all these stupid Buffalo all just followed the Buffalo that was in front of them all right off the cliff. Now, do you want to be part of the herd and fall off the cliff and die? Or do you want to step outside of that herd, take a look at the idiots who are falling off the cliff and find opportunities to invest? That's how you become a great investor is don't be the herd. Don't play with your emotions. Think mathematically, formulaically, and you're going to make a ton of money off the stock market. That's all I want to say today. Stay tuned again. Thanks so much for listening. And I'm going to get my technology fixed. So I hope you guys tune in again. Um, love chatting with you and hope to talk to you soon. Thanks.